Hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I am one of the pastors at Life Church and the host for this show. And uh, it's probably sounding a little bit different to you even as I speak right now because we're in a different room and I've got a guest with me. Um, not a new guest, but oh, still that, a special guest. Do I guest. still qualify as a guest or am I? Yeah. Am I a I think so. regular co host? at this point oh wow that's pushing yeah, it I'm, um, I'm, I'm just saying so if you don't recognize <laughs> the voice that you hear that is roger santini he is our director of youth life youth um good to have you with us thanks we've been trying to get together to have a podcast uh there's a number of things that we want to get to and talk mm-hmm. about and we narrowed it in on an interesting topic i think that you'll all find uh is interesting as well today or they're not gonna like it I mean, it could go either way. We can, yeah, we, we certainly can plan for that, I guess. Um, they can just shut it off, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's fine. But no, it's, it's, a, it's a conversation around, it's really not one word, so I'm just going to say heaven, hell, eschatology, afterlife, eternal life, all of that, and probably some more um, that we're going to talk about. Yeah. I think eschatology technically covers it, but... Well, that's also like a yes and that's no. A church, that's a church word. So, for those of you who are newer to church, newer to the Bible, newer exactly. to faith, yeah. Yeah. I would say eschatology is the study of the last things. Mm, that's a good point. Um, that doesn't necessarily encompass what our modern mm. mindset is that's of fair. the afterlife, although you could eventually get there, I think. Um, some people say eschatology is the study of the end times. Yeah, but it's not. Which is, it is a, it's confusing, I think, because then that takes our brains into yeah. like the end of the world and the destruction of all things. And those are all ideas that yeah. have kind of been developed over time, yeah. um, which gets confused with, I think, the last things which is really the beginning of something great, which mm-hmm. we get into Revelation with all of that. So yeah. anyway, let's start off a little bit more <laughs> chill. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just curious, you grew up in church, I grew up in church. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> did you grow up to Sunday school? Uh, not So yeah, grew up in church. I My family started going to church regularly. Uh, I think the first church we were involved with was actually a, my middle elementary or my yeah fourth and fifth grade i went to uh st luke's which is a uh, lutheran school in uh clinton township uh, right outside of chesterfield Mm -hmm. Uh, i can be wrong in that with direction so uh, someone can correct correct me it's fine uh but yeah third and fourth grade so that's when we started going to church regularly i was baptized when i was 11 and then we were involved with church until about uh, my senior year of high school. Okay, so plenty of so, yeah. Faith about, yeah, formation about in your past. Ten you're not years, yeah. you're not new to the church by any means. No, um, I too grew up. We grew up going to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had Sunday school. We called it Sunday school. Yeah, and had, in some ways it was a lot like classes. I mean, it, I remember having to take quizzes mm-hmm. <laughs> in elementary school of yeah. uh, at my Sunday school at my church. And, you know, doing Bible memorization and all those kinds of things. I'm curious, the reason I ask that is because, obviously, in that time, you probably heard about heaven. 
um, heard about the afterlife. What, if you can go back to that place mentally, what kinds of images did you have? What did you understand about heaven, about yeah. the afterlife? Like, go there. Uh, yeah, so I <clears throat> grew up in a more, I'd say more conservative uh, context. So it was Missouri Synod Lutheran. Okay. Um, which is, basically the Lutheran church is kind of split into you're either very liberal or you're very conservative. Sure. And that's kind of the whole spectrum of the church. Yeah. Uh, and there's obviously baggage with all of those terms. Yeah, even yeah, too, but yeah. yeah. Maybe that'll be another podcast. Sure, yes. <laughs> uh, but I was in Missouri Synod uh, Congregation, which was uh, basically as, you know, as conservative as you can go. So I kind of grew up with this. And I guess conservative just comes to mind because um, in that context, there's a lot of discussion of like uh, a lot of discussion about behaviors and attitudes and understandings revolving around like the idea of what do I need to do so I don't go to hell. Okay. Um, was kind of the general consensus. Uh, as far as like what I thought that was, I mean, I think the pretty classic like, uh, you know, fire and demons and under the earth and right. you know, a lot of which. Uh, sure, we'll, we'll talk about this. A yes. lot of which comes from uh, Dante's Inferno. Right. Actually, right. we which, just talked about this. The other yes, day. we yes. did. Which has largely informed a lot of. I, I just think it's interesting because you asked like what are the, what is the imagery and we talked right. about the other day like yeah that has actually largely formed a lot of the Catholic understanding of hell which has influenced sure all of us yes yeah. we're all some form of Protestants right which were first yeah. influenced by Catholics yeah not even just Catholic but Western our Western minds yeah yeah are we have images that have been constructed over yeah. time and in history. Images of hell, but as well as images of heaven mm-hmm. as well. What were some of the images of heaven that you grew yeah. up with? Um, I remember, I think my favorite one was always like the, the kind of, and you saw it in the cartoons a lot. Yeah. I that was, <laughs> I was a weird place that, yep. to make, for it to show up. Hey. But like the like baby angels yep. with harps on clouds and like everyone's wearing white robes. Right. Although I would, the white robe ones white we, robes see, are in, the we Bible. see in yep. scripture. Yeah, so I'll give that. But like, sure. yeah. Wings? Um, Did you say wings? Yeah, wings. The, yeah, yep. always got wings. Yep. Yep. Angels, yeah. Singing. But that's another, yeah, singing. I mean, angels is another interesting one. This is a little off topic, but our again, our picture, our image of what angels and heavenly beings look like is largely formed by uh, Catholic art, which shows and, yeah. kind of these gentle, like, attractive, blonde-haired right. men. But then you read scripture, and it's all, like, thunder, and, like, everyone's terrified, <laughs> and... Right. <laughs> I don't know if that lines up right. Clouds, but... lots of clouds. Yeah, yep. lots of clouds. The, the was it the like the beams of light yep. from the crowd. Yeah. So all that, all the yeah. I guess what I would call classic stuff, but classic in the Western sense. Yeah, I had all of that too. Uh, cartoons were the primary formation of my understanding mm-hmm. of heaven and hell, and demons and yep. you know, all those and angels as well, um, and 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 church too. But like. I think, you know, I, I can't remember a time in my life where I didn't think that I would die, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, P.S., uh, anybody listening, we're all going to die. <laughs> oh, um, cat's out of the bag. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and and so you, I just always assumed, I guess, that there was a place that I was going to go or there was a... Um, there was something after that, you know, yeah. there, there was an afterlife. I can't remember a time in my life where I didn't think that, um, you know, when I was obviously old enough and, and, 
um, developed enough in my brain to, to have those concepts. Yeah. And, and being in church, you know, we certainly talked about terms like heaven. We didn't, I don't remember talking about hell very early on, but um, we always, you know, understood that that was a thing as well. That was a concept. Yeah. And, and the whole point of being a Christian really for me was um, from what I understood and from how I was being formed was you, you, you are a Christian purely for the sake of getting to go to heaven mm. after you die. Yeah. Is that a similar thing yeah, for you or I, was it a little bit it, more involved? It was, I think we've, we've had this conversation before too. It, it was like, that was a truth that I understood that mm-hmm. like, if I didn't believe in God, I would go to hell. Yeah. But I hear some people talk about going through kind of developing their faith and kind of early on having this fear of like that being a kind of persistent thought. Sure. Um, I don't think it was that way for me. I remember understanding that um, and then getting baptized and making the decision um, to commit my life to Jesus. And then it, it w- that was kind of it for me. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, okay, I, like I... Right. It's good. I'm not going to hell anymore. So okay. not. I just, I, I don't remember it being a consistent, like, thought of anxiety or source of, like, always checking that I'm going to hell. It was just kind of like, I knew that was true. Yeah. I believed. Checked off that box. Right. Don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. Um, and I don't only say that because I've heard a lot of people share kind of their, their stories and that, that has not been the case for them. It seems yeah. to have been a thought that kind of was a, a constant... Um, reality or a constant thing they thought about mm-hmm. in their faith so and and granted it's an incredible motivator right like uh regardless of whether it was right or wrong or regardless of the people that were forming me and teaching me mm-hmm. regardless of what their understanding was about heaven and hell the way in which it was depicted was extremely motivating so like um, yeah, as a young person who's still developing in their just just as a in their own adolescence, but also in their faith, you you're yeah you're afraid of death, and you want to know what's going to happen after that. Let, that yeah. I'm just saying what my experience yeah, was. Yeah. So I'm making a face, which is why uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Roger's that. making faces at me, um, and so you know, going to Bible camp and being in youth ministry and stuff mm-hmm. like that, all of that had a profound impact on me. And it, I'm leaving a whole lot out in terms of other things that I was learning about Christianity yeah, and yeah. learning about Jesus and learning about the Bible. But I would say at the core still, it was like, yeah. I I really hope that I get to go to heaven when I die. And the reason I say it's an incredible motivator is because, you know, when it got down to it, and sort of at the end of the day or at the, on the last night of the retreat at camp or whatever it was, that kind of was the, the here's what's going to push the kid, you know, mm-hmm. the youth person uh, over the edge or to that next spot yeah. to getting them to understand is, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? And they would paint these images, um, like you said, much like a kind of a Dante's Inferno kind of picture of hell, like... Um, and, and you certainly didn't want that. But then these images of heaven were always just sort of this, I don't know, um, sort, sort of weird, mm-hmm. but sort of um, 
cloudy, sort of abstract, but just it was good. You just knew it was good, but you didn't know much more beyond that. Yeah. And so all of that was like you just knew that Jesus was there and that was yeah. a good thing, yeah. right? Um I think I think there's a lot when as I look back at my past, and you can answer it for for yourself. I I don't regret anything. I don't, you know, I don't disparage my past. I don't disparage what I learned. But now, you know, having served in youth ministry for 10 years and now being a pastor, I I ask a lot of questions to myself about how am I forming people mm. in their understanding of the afterlife and what's important and what are the motivators for wanting to follow Jesus? Tell, tell me kind of yeah. your perspective as well. Yeah. Know, now we, that you're a full-time. Yeah. And person. this is, I mean, this is the thing we've, we've had conversations about this too. Um, I think one of the words we throw around in youth ministry, and you probably heard us say in this podcast is um, effective, right? What is hmm. effective ministry? Um, and I have struggled with the idea of um, motivating kids or students with the reality of heaven and hell because I didn't find it that effective a motivator mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I was saved very young, I was 11, uh, but I really, I didn't mature at all in my faith until college, honestly. I was very much a baby Christian for a really long time. Um, and I remember in high school, especially just living a life and a lot of my life in high school revolved around girlfriends, um, and who was dating at that time and who I wanted to date at that time. Hmm. Uh, and that unfortunately led to a lot of bad decisions. And as I think back on those decisions, very rarely do I remember an instance where, uh, the idea of going hell was a sufficient motivator for me to make the wise choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I often remember, like I said, I, I just... I understood that was true. I knew it wasn't happening to me anymore. And then it, it really stopped being a scary thing for me. So when I was in those moments of like, should I do this thing that I know is not wise or is not godly? I, I don't really remember an instance where uh, the thought of hell was something that stopped me mm-hmm. from still wanting to do that thing, that selfish thing and that unwise thing, whatever. Um, so I, I didn't find it personally that motivating for me. Uh, not that other people don't. Again, like we're saying, we, we don't want to disparage um, how other people experience faith, uh, faith. But for me, I, I did not find an effective motivator. And, and when we talk about effective, like, then I don't I think, I don't know if we've covered this in other podcasts, but uh, I think for myself and I think for you, because <clears throat> we've talked about this, but effective ministry is ministry in youth ministry. Effective ministry is ministry that uh, results in students who stay plugged into the church uh, as they move into college and to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and into their faith, obviously. And, yeah, 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 into discipleship their faith. And, and, yeah, all of that. So faith that continues to keep them involved and growing past mm-hmm. high school. Yeah. Uh, I actually stepped away from the faith in my senior year because uh, my parents got divorced. And, again, um, the idea that there was a hell didn't really motivate me to go back to church. Mm. Uh, eventually what motivated me had a lot more to do with understanding who God was um, and realizing that how I viewed myself uh, was damaging uh, a lot more to do with desiring a relationship with God and and to have a heavenly father uh, who was pleased with me. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those things. But that idea of like, I don't want to go to hell wasn't really a strong motivator for Mm. me. So, uh, and as we look at, and and that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this. And I thought this 
and you also thought it was a good conversation to have because as we look at what kind of youth ministry are we building, uh, historically youth ministries that spend a lot of time talking about heaven and hell and make that a main motivator or try to motivate through that mm-hmm. means uh, it's it's not leading to effective ministries mm-hmm. in that and I'm sure we've talked about this before, statistically, students are not sticking around after high school right now. Yeah. So all that to say, like, it might work for some students. It might be a strong motivator for, motivator for some students, but I, I am starting to question whether it is an effective motivator for all students yeah. or if there is other things we should be, to, to stick with the language, motivating our students. I almost air-quoted, but that's not helpful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that we should be motivating our students with. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that was kind of my experience of yeah. it. I think that's a, a lot of students' experiences, kind of data is showing. But again, I don't want to disparage that. For some students, um, that's a really scary and a really serious thought, and yeah. it's a large motivator of faith. And there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. um, of of having a healthy understanding of uh, heaven and hell and where you want to be. Right. Um, I do think it can become unhealthy. Yeah. Um, was another thing that we'll probably end up talking about. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you, the listener can sense this right now, but we're—I find that out of this, out of all the podcasts that we have done so far, we're going very slowly to pick our words very carefully because yeah, this is hard uh, in the sense that um, these are concepts that we're talking mm. about that are kind of beyond our finite scope yes. of, of existence, right? And we, I should say this too, we wholeheartedly believe that God has a plan for an afterlife, and I would say even more specifically eternal life, which I'll get into in just mm-hmm. a second. Um, and and even as we look at scripture too, like the, the language that the writers use whenever they're referring to these kinds of concepts are... They're just they're trying to do their best to grasp this understanding. It's just not easy yeah. um, because we're just not there yet, right? And yeah. and there's certainly books out there um, that talk about people who have had maybe an encounter, mm-hmm. almost like a heavenly encounter, where they they were yeah. scientifically dead for a certain amount of time, and then they mm-hmm. came back and and they write about this experience or they make a movie about this experience of. Uh, you know, meeting God or, or getting to go to heaven. And, and that's fine. I like I try to, I try to be open to whatever it is that God yeah. wants to do in those kinds of situations. Um, and then to convolute things all the more, we have this, you know, big hairy <laughs> book called revelation at the end of the Bible that yeah. is written very apocalyptically that a whole lot of people for years and years and years have, tried to figure out exactly what it means Mm -hmm. and put it into some kind of a systematized understanding of heaven and hell and certainly eschatology and the afterlife and all of that. And it's it's just added more fuel to the confusing fire of trying to figure this stuff out. And I I think it's interesting too, like as we talk about imagery and especially, you know, Revelation brings Mm -hmm. up a lot of imagery. I've always found it fascinating the imagery we use and the imagery that scripture use, right? We, we talk about fires and kind of upper and lower. Yeah. Um, but one of the fascinating things about Jesus, and we just talked about this too the other day, is like when he talks about the afterlife, he goes to wedding language yeah. and talks about banquets yeah. and like wedding feasts. Right. And so just to kind of hammer that point home of like, we don't, 
we don't understand just at a certain human level we don't understand because like when we try to talk about it we talk about fire and and you know clouds and angels and yeah. Jesus talks about he talks about wedding banquets right and feasts and and things that don't make sense to yeah us. well i i mean a wedding banquet makes sense yeah <laughs> but like um but he tries to he tries to give us something tangible that we can understand to help us. Well, and I'll say this too. I, I got to go to Israel in 2015. And one of the days that we were there, it was a study trip actually, but one of the days was kind of a free day where we could just sort of walk around and explore in the old city of Jerusalem. And I was by myself and I just finished lunch. And so I was walking through this um, area of the city and a wedding had just happened. Mm-hmm. And it's very enclosed i mean the street to call it a street is more like a sidewalk that's yeah. <laughs> you know maybe six feet wide and is surrounded by buildings on either side it's everything's very tight because um, it's not built for cars yeah and 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 then there was a kind of this like open town square area uh where there's people everywhere and then a wedding uh had just taken place and they were like walking slash dancing through the city there was a couple of musicians yeah. there was like a violin player a trumpet player and some other uh, like a drummer or something like that and then maybe a handful of like i don't know 20 20 or so people and they were singing and clapping and dancing and laughing and like yeah. all walking through the city like this is very normal and customary for a jewish wedding that had just taken place yeah um to now go and like now you're on display like you announce it probably similar to some of the customs that we do here in america where you might decorate your car and then drive around and you see the just married sign on somebody's car with the cans dragging behind (laughs) which is weird um but it was this idea of like you just you were everybody was caught up in the moment like some people were eating lunch some people were sitting there and reading some people were just walking and but you saw like everybody just stopped what they were doing and they wanted to see they like wanted to be part of it and it was almost like this couple um was good was actually that's what their goal was Mm -hmm. is like no you that's the reason you sort of parade through the city um to say like no you're all invited in Mm, this into this thing uh that we've just experienced We're, we're we're starting our brand new life together and so when I, I love what you said that you know whenever Jesus talks about heaven, oftentimes he refers to this wedding banquet. Yeah. That's where my mind goes yeah. to, is like this joy that's moving through the city and like mm. everybody just stops and is like, yes, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. Like this is so cool that I just get to be you know in this. Yeah, but and that's usually I'd say <clears> that's where our imagery falls short, right? Because we yeah we have this kind of cultural imagery of like, I'm sitting on my cloud alone, playing my harp, right. baby angels. But when you right. look at scripture, like it's a communal, it's a party, like it's a communal experience. Yeah. It, it is a, yeah, it, it just, I think that aspect gets missed with our right. kind of cultural imagery. Like yeah. It's, it's not an individual haven I get to go to. It's, right. Or it's some people a like community a celebration. Right. Some people think, Oh, is it just one big worship service? Which when they say that they mean, western american predominantly white church with people standing in rows singing songs that were written by people who look just like them too (laughs) it's just like and then sitting through a sermon like no it's so much bigger than that you think wedding banquet that's that yes there's 
there is music and there's joy there and there's partying, but there's also food and there's conversation. I don't know. Like, yeah. if those are all the things that Jesus seems to talk about uh, when he talks about a banquet and talks about heaven, it's so much more than just what we have constricted ourselves to in creating, you know, an hour long church service for lack of a better term, but we're getting way to, way ahead of ourselves. I want to um, share just a couple things biblically. And, and we do think all of this is important, which is why we're talking about it. We think it's important to think about these things, but also important to hold it uh, with an open hand, hold it mm-hmm. loosely to understand that, um, that all of this is about Jesus um, first and foremost, and, and giving him glory, which I'm, I'm going to be preaching about uh, this weekend. But I think it'd be important to sort of define some things. Mm-hmm. And how does the Bible understand heaven, hell, afterlife, eternal life? Um, I'll start with just saying in the Old Testament, they don't seem all that concerned mm-hmm. with the afterlife. No. Um because for the, for you know for the Jewish people it the motivator of their faith is really a relationship with God the Father right, right? it's we do what we do because we are God's people and he is our God right. and therefore we should do all this and, right. and be these kinds of people yeah it's a it's a covenant relationship mm-hmm. and oftentimes the Jewish perspective is speaking in terms of ages as in the mm-hmm. age to come mm-hmm. um so they don't necessarily have language like what we've yeah. uh, adopted over the years of afterlife. They just, mm. they didn't, because they didn't know and they didn't yeah. try to know necessarily from what I've read. Have you encountered much else in your similar um, experience? No, not, not too much. The, in, the interesting <clears throat> thing I've found is um, Revelation actually picks up on that a lot. There's actually right. ages is kind of a buzzword in Revelation. Yep. And there's a, it's hard to decipher when it's referring to like, historical ages or when it's referring to like the age after but yeah, yeah I, I found that 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 language carries into revelation pretty heavily right yeah and revelation does pick up on some um old testament yeah uh, apocalyptic language in daniel and ezekiel and some mm-hmm. of jeremiah as well so so the writer is doing some intentional things there to to bring a very jewish understanding yeah. and perspective yeah. into um this new understanding yeah. now post death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Yeah. And when um, you, I think the other interesting when you, cause you said, you know, Ezekiel, I, I, I do find, so I have found so far that when it, when it becomes very specific, like language of, you know, fire or right. anything, it's often in prophetic visions, Yes, which I think sometimes gets ignored because mm. um, prophetic visions require a particular set of, uh, exegetical tools or, or yeah. interpret interpretive tools right like we don't read a vision like we read a psalm right like we read a letter so right. i do think that's something that we lose sight of is sometimes these verses we pull with very specific like like of imagery <coughs> uh or like you know angels with flaming swords like right. that tends to all be prophetic language yeah so we yeah. have to be careful how we handle that and how we read that and and be careful to not treat it as a historical piece of scripture right literary genre is yeah. extremely important and and if there are youth who are listening to this i would say if you're newer to the bible um that is an important concept to bring into your yeah. reading of of scripture is to understand um you know th- there are different parts of the bible that have different uh genres 
which then therefore have different goals in mind yeah. in a sense in what's being written yeah and uh, for and for students i like to explain it because that's important and i i've often i will challenge students like you don't read a book like you watch a movie right you don't watch a show like you watch a movie like there mm-hmm. we understand that literature and media comes like you don't watch a youtube clip right. as if it is a tv episode like there we treat different literature and different media differently so right. why would we not do the same thing with the bible when it's going through a psalm which is ultimately uh, a musical expression versus mm-hmm. when it's going through the words of a prophet right which is a so yeah, yeah. i think we understand that intuitively yeah. we just need the language to... yep and and so in the old testament you know really in terms of words we don't the really the Old Testament doesn't really have a word for heaven um, no. that I've seen, and uh, and certainly not kingdom of heaven, which mm-hmm. is language that then Jesus uses, uh, which also gets uh, mixed with kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Jesus says kingdom of heaven, he's not necessarily referring to this afterlife concept that that we have developed over time. But again, going back to the Old Testament, um, it does have kind of an idea for hell although mm-hmm. they don't call it hell either um they get the word sheol yep. which pretty much just means place of the dead if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken right and so they had this understanding that there was this sort of dark underworld uh yeah. where, where dead people yeah. went but they didn't have this sort of practical geographical tangible yeah. language for like oh it's yes it's it's in this place you yeah. know down under the earth and even and even the just as we kind of talk about how different the Eastern perspective was, like they also, even their perspectives on like what happens when you died. Yeah. It's pretty different, right? Like there's um, one of my favorite stories in scripture is uh, Jesus raising Lazarus. But if you do some historical work there, you start to see that um, three days is significant for Jesus because Jewish people um, and in the, in the the Old Testament, they probably would have started to develop this understanding, but they believe that the spirit could potentially stay in the body for three right. days before it even died. So yeah. all that to say, like, yeah, there, there's a lot of context here to death and to, and to the idea of hell that we're missing as Westerners. Right. Plus, and this is, is getting a little nerdy, uh, if we <laughs> haven't already crossed that threshold. Yeah, that's right. Um, but then by the time Jesus comes and the New Testament is written, now you're dealing with a whole new level of philosophical thought with Greek and Platonic mm-hmm. thinking. Yeah. Um, in terms of the separation of yeah. the spirit and the you know the soul and the body yeah. and like a lot of which just, we're still influenced by, exactly. even though we don't realize it. Exactly. So it gets really convoluted. Yes. You know, even as early as two thousand years ago, and certainly before that as well. But so so the Old Testament's pretty vague, uh, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and maybe intentionally so in terms of giving us American Christians or, you know, if you're listening in another part of the world, um, Christians, an idea of heaven and hell. It's not until we start to get uh, into the new Testament that we actually get some of those words, heaven, hell. Um, It's it's significant too. Cause like, like we were saying about motivation, like I think it reveals that for old Testament Jewish community, like, Afterlife just was not a motivator no. for them. That just wasn't what was important about their faith. Right. Which is, I think you see that in the fact yes. that they don't bother to talk about it because it's not, it's not an important factor for them. Right. And, and this is where it's important to make this distinction is that they were concerned with eternal life, mm-hmm. which we have to understand is a different concept uh, than afterlife. And the reason for that is because um, the, the Jewish perspective is that eternal life is something that starts not after you die, but... Mm-hmm. actually starts today yeah. 
the, the reason we get this eternal life language is because you actually see it in conversations with Jesus. Yeah. A lot of people are like, how, you know, how do I receive eternal life? Yeah. Um, they, they wanted it in the here and now. We mm-hmm. get the rich young ruler. How do I inherit? Yeah. You know, he, he speaks in financial terms. How do I inherit mm-hmm. eternal life? And he points to his behavior and yeah. Jesus says, and actually, the, there's one thing that you forgot to do. You're yeah. supposed to give your money to the poor. <laughs> yeah, and the, the, the disciples too, right? <clears throat> are, everyone leaves uh, when Jesus starts saying some things and he asks them, why are you still here? Yeah. And they say, well, you you provide eternal life. Where, yeah. where else would we go? Why yeah, you alone else? Yes. have yeah, yeah. the words of eternal life. Yes. So, and again, they're not saying you provide a place for me to go when I die. Mm-hmm. If anything, they're actually confused about that concept. Yeah. When John, uh, when Jesus speaks in John 14 uh, and starts starts actually trying to tell them, like, no, there is, I am going to die. There is a place I'm going to go. Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah. what, are you ta- what place are you going to go? How do we know where you're going? Yeah. They don't have a concept for that. They're confused for yeah. it or they're confused by it, uh, which is a good indicator yeah. that that was never something that they were necessarily concerned yeah. with in the Old Testament. Yeah, and the and too again probably going to a level we don't need to, but um, when we talk about resurrection, right? There were certain parties in the Jewish community that like that was actually a debated right. thing, right? I forget was it Sadducees? The Sadducees, yeah. yeah. Like for them, they're like, no, resurrection is impossible. Like it was a theological debate for them. Right. So even the idea that Jesus came back, like that would have blown the Jewish community's mind, and like a lot of them probably would have been like, that. What are you talking about? Like that's right. Not, what do you mean you resurrected? It's not a thing yeah. that's possible. Exactly. So, and I think we probably miss that too in Western perspective because we were so used to hearing that we're like, yeah, he resurrected. But right. for them, they would have been like, what do you, what are you even talking exactly. about? Exactly. That's it, crazy. It's mind-boggling <laughs> for them to experience the resurrection, much less, um, or much more, I should say, experienced the crucifixion. They were confused mm-hmm. by the crucifixion mm-hmm. because they thought that their Messiah was going to live forever. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's true, um, but through death first, yes. right? So we see that in the Road to Emmaus story. Um, where Jesus convinces these disciples who in this moment don't know it's Jesus yet because, uh, again, they didn't have a concept for resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, yeah. did and we And we read that story and we're like, oh, you silly people. But yeah, right, get, right. Like what you're yeah. saying, like they would, that would not have been a thing right. they would even have thought of. Right. <laughs> so he has to convince them, didn't the scriptures clearly predict that the Messiah had to mm-hmm. suffer? They were they were still stuck on that part mm-hmm. that they just didn't believe that their Messiah was going to suffer and certainly not die. So why why is there any if we if we can't even get our heads around that part? I'm putting myself in the voice of a of a disciple in the first century. If I can't even get there that the Messiah has to suffer, why on earth would I even consider something like the resurrection? Yeah. You know, and then the resurrection of yeah. all the bodies. So yeah, again, all of this. For the biblical writers and those who lived it, um, yeah. just wasn't top of mind. That's yeah. not to say that Jesus doesn't care about the afterlife yeah. as it relates to eternal life. Yeah. But eternal life seems to be so much more important yeah. because eternal life reaches into the the here and now. Yeah. Whereas afterlife kind of only has, in our yeah. understanding of it, in our conceptions of it, only has a beginning once we yeah. have died in the body, right? Yeah, and many of those, I mean, theologically, like many of those conversations, again, like didn't happen to later. Like the one I'm, one I'm learning about in seminary is like the, discussing this idea of like, did Jesus like go to hell when he died? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, like that didn't, 
that conversation didn't happen until I think fourth or fifth century church. Right. So the church the operated, Creed, yeah. yeah, operated for a very long time without even asking questions like that about hell. So a lot of the conversations we have, I say that just to illustrate, like a lot of the questions we in debates we have about heaven and hell, mm-hmm. uh, the first century church didn't have them. Right, they just weren't like the Jewish community weren't concerned. That was not the top right. of their list of things to to really dive into theolo- theo- theologically. You got it. I struggled with that word so that's hard. That's fine. I'm in seminary. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. That's not I good. Promise. That's not fine. <laughs> yeah, so I think, and the, the, the reason I feel it's necessary to bring up, you know, the importance of eternal life more so than afterlife is because of Jesus's emphasis on kind of the here and now and what we do mm-hmm. in the here and now. And and there's other people that have concepts of the already, not yet. Yeah. You know, um, there are there is still more in the eternal life yeah concept for us to experience which yes is experienced in an afterlife but eternal life starts today which is why we actually behave in the way that we do yeah i don't mean behave like be a good person i mean the way we organize our lives in such a way that actually reflects the the person and character and activity of jesus now yeah and i i don't think i it took me a very long time to understand that. Um, for a very long time, I viewed a lot of the things, that I, even as I matured as a Christian, like a lot of the things about heaven and hell, I kind of viewed as in, inconsequential because of that. Kind of that thought is like, <clears throat> I didn't believe it had any effect on the way I right. live now. Right. So why do I need to think about this or care about this? Why should this be an important aspect of my right. faith? Um, but I think there are ways, um, especially for some of the students, for some of the conversations students are having now, there are ways where that really plays out and that really matters in practical ways. You know, one of the things we we were kind of writing down ideas for this podcast and what we talked about, but one of the things we talked about is this mindset of um, viewing the world and everything it, in it as something that will be destroyed mm-hmm. uh, and therefore deciding, you know, you don't really need to care about the environment yeah. or how we take care of this earth or our communities. Right. Um, but again, that, that kind of ignores understanding how our eschatology and our understanding of heaven and hell and the afterlife and eternal life mm-hmm. affects the way we're living now. Right. And that that's actually kind of a mindset of like, it doesn't have any effect on the way that we live now. So why do I care about whether yeah. or not I throw this piece of plastic on the ground? Exactly. So, and again, I, I feel like that's just a real example of this and probably um, because there's so many movements right now to go green and to be more environmental, like probably ones that I think students are wrestling with a little bit more, at least thinking about yeah. a little bit more processing. Yeah, uh, there was a there was a class in my seminary about ecology and its importance um, as as informed by our theology. Yeah. Um, San, we, uh, Sandy Richter, just throwing a name out there, okay. is someone who's written a lot about okay. that. My wife has read a few of her books yeah. and has been just really excited about what she has to say. But right, uh, she's an Old Testament professor who writes a lot hmm. about um, Christian environmentalism and why we should be. That makes a ton of sense because I was just going to say that the Old Testament actually seems really mm-hmm. concerned with the environment and, and animals, even mm-hmm. just how you care for your yes. animals. And it's like, huh, there's, a, there's they, a lot of rules about it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so I think for us to jettison that completely is, is probably a mistake. I think, yeah. you know, certainly there's, you know, we could say, well, now this is a political conversation. And, and yeah, it, it naturally lends itself to that. But to say that it's not a biblical one mm-hmm. is is either misreading the scriptures or not reading the yeah. scriptures. Yeah, because in Genesis, that was our that was our job. Right. Steward. Like the we're land. created in the image of God and then yeah. we were given one task and that task was to care for the earth. Exactly. So that is. Yeah. 
Let me move to um, move us to the conversation around terms in the New Testament. So we do we do get a little bit more specific terms than just Sheol in the mm-hmm. Old Testament. We get oh, <laughs> we get uh, uh, we get Hades mm-hmm. uh, for hell. We also get Gehenna for hell. Yep. Um, and then we'll bring up a third topic, which is. Uh, when Jesus says to the man who's dying next to him on a cross, he says, yeah. today you'll be with me in paradise. Yes. Um, heaven shows up, but I've already mentioned, usually it's attached to the kingdom, kingdom of yeah. heaven. But if you read those in context, it's not necessarily talking about an afterlife concept. Mm-hmm. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is here. It's among you. Yeah. So we've got we've to work with that. We've got to interpret yep. that. So uh, I'm... I'm just going to say uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that one because um, we could do a whole nother podcast. We could do yeah, we absolutely, a whole nother 45 minutes we of discussion. Could. So let's talk about Hades and Gehenna. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk for a bit and you just cut me off when you get bored with what I'm saying. Um, but so, so we get this term gates of Hades mm-hmm. uh, uh, when, when Jesus is talking yeah. to Peter, yeah. say on this rock, I will build my church. Um, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, mm-hmm. will not um, sort of take it over. And is that a culturally, is that a <clears throat> super, it's always seemed to me that's been a super culturally charged term given Greek faith and belief systems at that time. Hades? Yeah. Yeah, is so true. So there there actually is a place in northern Israel that you can go to called the gates of Hades. Oh, okay. It's, it's, a, it's a physical, historical location mm-hmm. that you can go to. Um and and it's in Caesarea Philippi, which is where Jesus had taken these mm-hmm. guys. And and um, it's also an area where there was tons of um, sort of pagan, yeah, pantheist worship. Wasn't there like a the oracle of? Wasn't there like an oracle in Caesarea? Uh, it's very possible. Okay, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember my Greek history okay. now. I'm I, not doing a great job. <laughs> I did not take Greek. Um, anyway. The, it's a, I got, I got to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in this sort of foresty area and it's this sort of giant, large cave. Um, and this was an area where a lot of, uh, a lot of non-Jews were, uh, mm-hmm. they were pagan worshipers. Um, and the fact that Jesus takes them there and says on this rock, he's talking about a physical rock, although, you know, many have argued that Peter's name which is Cephas means rock. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very possible. There's a sort of a double entendre there that Jesus yeah. is referring to Peter in his name on this rock on, on you, Peter, I will build my church. And there's also a, a lot of evidence to say that he's, he's no, he's literally pointing to this rock, this like yeah. cave, this rock, like cave structure. Yeah. Is it, is that, is that an account of that in John? Um, or is that just Matthew? I think it's it might be both. Okay, I say John John loves double entendre. So right, and so doing that very easily. (laughs) So, in a sense, let's just assume that he's Mm -hmm. talking about this physical location. He he's saying, um, like, even here, even a place like this, where all of this pagan worship is, where all this place where you're like, no way, as a as a good Jewish boy in the first century, you would not go to a place like that. to say for Jesus to say no actually the kingdom of god is going to break into even places like this mm-hmm. the church is going to you know succeed in places like this um and the gates of hades the gates of hell will not overcome it in other words this place 
isn't going to you know which is the which is enigmatic of pagan worship is not going to stop the movement of god essentially um but how we've often interpreted that is hell the place that you go when you die is not going to overcome the the work of the church yeah but the there's just not there's not a ton of evidence that would point to that's exactly what that would be talking about because yeah. why is Jesus taking them to this physical location and referring to this physical place yeah. that was called the gates of Hades so that that's one spot Gehenna is another place that you can go to it's in the southern um, lowermost point of the city of Jerusalem uh, which would have been referred to as the city of David and uh, in the low point, because there's uh, there's topography, right, in Jerusalem, they've got high high land and low land. Gehenna uh, is the is like a low valley, and what would happen is that was where all of your trash got, mm-hmm. you know, basically flowed to because yeah. the water from the highland would rush down through the city and through the streets and then down into the lower part, and you would put your trash out on the street, and the water would take it down into the Valley of Gehenna, or Hinnom is another name for it. It's gone through multiple names, which then gets translated hell, mm-hmm. and where we see the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so if you've got a trash dump at the lower part of your city where just kind of all of the chaos goes, you've got wild animals that are going and you know searching for food or anything yeah. that they can find, there's going to be lots of gnashing of teeth, right? Mm-hmm. Growling. Uh, there's going to be lots of weeping because in a Greek society, if you have a baby that was born that had defects, uh, you would cast it aside yeah. and you would take it to this place. There's lots of weeping of, you know, probably, and I hate to be morbid about it, but um, and gory, dying babies and infants down mm-hmm. at the trash yeah. dump and maybe somebody going and weeping for the loss of their child or something like that. Mm-hmm. So again, Gehenna. Uh, and there's a whole lot I'm probably leaving out, but it is a physical place in Jerusalem that you can go and visit. It's not a trash dump anymore. Now it's beautiful. There's like this trail and, you know, olive trees and all these things that you can walk through. But these are the terms that Jesus uses whenever talking about hell. Those are the images that we get um, uh, in the New Testament. And so, again, to say, to then construct sort of this Dante's Inferno vision of hell based on that, it, it's a it's a bit misleading yeah. yeah and so again we're dealing with some things that we kind of have to hold yeah. loosely and to, and to again to go back to the culture i think one of the fascinating things about dante's inferno is we treat it as if it's an original construct of what hell looks like but right really 90 percent of it is founded on greek mythology right right like the greeks had a very structured hierarchical view of what the uh, the underworld as they would refer to it looked like mm-hmm and that's ninety percent of Dante's Inferno. Right. So when we when we accept that imagery again, we're we're just accepting something that is a cultural representation of another faith and kind of importing right. it into things that aren't necessarily there into scriptures, like you're saying that yeah. we're reading with a different cultural lens. Right. And then the last one, paradise. Um, we see that word Jesus says today, "You will be with me in paradise." Is just simply a garden. That's mm-hmm. what that word. A, a good place. Yeah. And um. And. Which would have been an interesting, uh, you know, kind of buzzword for the Jewish audience who obviously would have known Genesis very well. Exactly. (laughs) That probably would have been, had some, uh, some significance to them too. Right. And, and, and so there was certainly the creational understanding of a garden. Um, This, 
some of the reading that that I've done in terms of uh, Jewish cities and how mm-hmm. they were laid out is uh, it was it would be normal for every home to have a garden, which was kind of just a uh, sort of a patio, a side patio to your mm-hmm. house and adjacent to the house, but not the house. Yeah. And so um, one Jewish scholar that I read talked about this idea um, who, who happens to also believe that Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, um, but certainly well informed by his Jewish understanding is to say uh, when Jesus is saying you will be with me in paradise is essentially just saying you're going to be in a good place. Uh, it, but not necessarily heaven or the picture of the resurrection of the body, which is what Paul gets into, which, again, we don't have yeah. time for. Um, but it's almost like this place that's not the final place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the home. It's the patio to the home. Yeah. It's it's the garden. It's a good place. Uh, you. But the point is, is you will be with me in paradise. So the assumption then is it is a good place. Jesus is there. And there's no more pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when people ask, well, where do we go when we die? Heaven? I'm comfortable saying heaven. Yeah. Um, I'm also comfortable saying paradise and then talking about the concept of paradise Yeah. and then saying, but that's not actually the end. The end is the resurrection of all things and all creation yes. and God's space and heaven coming to earth yeah. and and renewing all creation and then it's the resurrection of all of the saints in the body, which mm-hmm. is what we say in the in the Apostles' Creed. So paradise, you know, is paradise where all of our loved ones are right now. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all that to say, you can quickly see how these concepts are rich and weighty and depth full of depth but also maybe complex more complex than yeah. i think we give them credit for yeah um or more incomprehensible than we give them right credit for <laughs> and are we comfortable with that yeah um I and think for and i think there's think. a yeah and i think there's a special again to go back to students i think there's a there's a pressure for students to want to understand everything they can understand about faith mm-hmm and there is a part of our job as people who lead students and, and teach students is to remind them like a, a important aspect of faith is mm-hmm. we don't have the full picture and we won't right. have the full picture. Right. And that it's it's okay and it's safe to ask questions, but scripture doesn't always provide clear answers. Right. Especially when it comes to some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot that we covered. Yeah. Um, I think what I would want any of our listeners to take away from this is I think based on everything that we've said I think all of this is still incredibly important and yeah. and good for us to be thinking about and talking about um, I think eternal life is something that is is desirable right like I, I, yes I want eternal life I want to live forever I want to experience abundant life and yeah. the life that God has for me um and I, and I want my loved ones to experience that same one yeah. as well. I want the whole world to experience that. Um, and so there, there's a lot of, lot to be motivated by. Um, and I want to begin to live into that today, yeah. you know, yeah. right now in this moment. I want to live as though eternal life is not some future thing, but it actually happens right now yeah. in the present. And so I, would, yeah. I agree with you. I think I would say if I were to you know, say a message for students, who, who have said, you know, I want to follow Jesus, is begin to live into the reality of eternal life yeah. today. Yeah. And also that 
you know, as we talk about youth ministry as ministers and as we talk about encourage students to tell other people about Jesus, I think I think everything you just said, that's the compelling message, right? Mm. That's the that's the message that sticks and I think has a tradition of bringing people to Jesus, the message of like there is a savior who has died for you and wants to live in a relationship with you yeah. forever and provide yeah. you abundant life. Not, hey, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. Right. I just, I think one of those messages sticks and yeah. gives life and one of them provides anxiety and fear right. and ultimately is fragile. Yep. So I think that's the message we should be bringing is, you know, the message of a savior who wants to be with you forever. Yeah. Yep. I, I want to leave with saying this. I think, um, the concept of hell is is an ongoing uh, exploration. Yeah, and there's and, there's a whole bunch of schools of thought we need to yeah, get into. <laughs> right, and can people go to hell? Do is is there even a hell where people go to? Um, and I and I think many 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 centuries of Christianity would say yes, absolutely. And I mm-hmm. think we're doing our best to try to, um, you know, be in alignment with what's orthodox. I I did come across a definition once that um, they, they tried not to necessarily nail down this sort of physical or geographical location of hell and what mm-hmm. that all looks like. What they said, though, was um, hell is the experience of the complete absence mm-hmm. of the joy of God yeah. and God's presence. I agree with that. And I was like, oof, yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. That like that's actually more scary to me. Yeah, because like, whatever whatever hell looks like, that ultimately that would be. You know, that's that, that covers it all, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to experience the love and joy of God. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, there's other definitions out there. You know, eternal yeah. torment, separation, all of those words, um, separation from God. Mm-hmm. I, they're what they're doing is they're trying to capture um, the the weight of what it means to be away from God, yeah. and I think ultimately what we want is is people to experience God, not to escape hell, not so that they can their get their get out of hell free card, yes. but because they can't help but want to be in the presence of God because yeah. of who God is. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. Yep. And this has been by far one of our longer, more complex ones. How long do we go? I don't know. Okay. We're going to say goodbye for now. Uh, if you're a, a new time listener, I want to remind you, a first time listener, uh, to subscribe if you would like to, uh, so that you can stay up to date on this podcast and other uh, podcasts that we do, uh, other information, other content that we provide. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you back here soon. See ya.